0: Welcome back to the Rural Roundup, hosted by me, Kerry Hammond. This show is produced in association with the Scottish Government. On today's episode, Tiffany, George and Robert discuss recent weather patterns, silage, a new outbreak of bird flu, and mull over the issues caused by a national labour shortage on farms. Later, we're joined by Anna Allemand, Knowledge Exchange Manager for the Soil Association, who joins us to tell us about some of the exciting projects that they're working on? Hi
1: guys, how are we doing?
2: I'm fine Tiffany. Um combines are starting to roll up here. Uh Robert, how's things with you?
3: Yeah, good. Um we've got the moisture we were looking for a while ago. Um and yeah, things down here are actually pretty good where well, there's a wee bit of a struggle, but we're we're green and growing, so Oh, fine. where
1: there's definitely a struggle at the moment there's a lot of people trying to harvest or trying to make silage and they're just trying to pick the right window and i feel like it's flipping a coin whether they get it right or get it wrong at the moment
3: yeah i think it's silage season second cut season down here has been a kind of fortune favors the brave there's actually been quite a few reasonable windows that weren't quite forecast you know we were getting one day in the forecast that was reasonable and we're actually getting two or three together so those that have sat and waited for a good forecast are still waiting and those that have kind of thrown caution to the wind there's there's perhaps some pretty good stuff made combining is more of a challenge Um, but yeah you know it's i think the summary would be fortune favors the brave
2: yeah it's, it's very similar up in the northeast um silages are still being made um, but it's yeah, the weather's dictating when it happens and how quickly it's lying, uh, how long it lies in the ground. Really, um, in terms of the harvest, a month ago we were thinking, yeah, it's going to be a really early harvest. But the way the weather's been, it's slowed everything up. Some of these heavy showers have been a bit of damage in some fields, some fields of wheat, some fields of spring barley. There's bits gone down. Um, but um, at long last, we're starting to see combines starting to roll now, and. Uh, Yeah, harvest has just begun.
3: There's bound to be some of that stuff, George. The rain must be helping that spring barley a bit. You know, it was going too fast; it wasn't in the ground long enough, and we're getting the burn off. There's bound to be some of that. There's bound to be good news in this somewhere, is there not?
2: There has been a wee bit of a bounce in terms of growth, but the um, uh, what we're also hearing more and more reports of now we're seeing. Well, even when you're driving around, you're starting to see lighter green tinges coming through the, the, the crops, the spring barley crops. And it's um, secondary growth is happening. So there's these smaller tillers starting, which is, you know, some of them all shrivel up by the time they go through the combine and just be blown back over the tail. But um, it's, it, it does affect quality.
1: Unfortunately, weather's not something that we're able to control. Um, in Brighton news, I did manage to sample my first lot of um, first cut silage this year and analyzed very well so i'd be hopeful that a lot of people manage to have good quality first cut
3: i saw a second cut analysis the other day that was a d value of 76 and a protein of 18 so it's absolute rocket fuel keeping that Mm. in an animal is going to be the issue yeah (laughs) Um, but there'll be some rocket fuel out there Mm
1: But it's definitely a good idea to get your silage anal- analysed because it could go either way, especially with this year. So it's definitely a good thing to be doing.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think one of the things you've got to remember as well is that with the weather, um, uh, we've, we've we've certainly seen some fields that have just started to get a wee bit poached and that with the, with the machinery going at silage time. Um, watch that earth doesn't end up in the silage um, because that can cause a different set of problems really contaminating the silage isn't is very good it's not good for the animals it's not good for the fermentation process
1: yeah just going to be a case of being careful with what you're doing and hope for
3: a good window and, and doing the best you can because you never get a perfect year and you never get a perfect job you know sometimes we've got to make a mess you have to break an egg to make a cake sometimes and uh, or all times you have to break an egg to make a cake sometimes silage is, is a challenge to get but you can't make it standing up
1: yeah um, George, I've been hearing about bird flu, and there's been a lot of uh, sea birds washing up in Aberdeenshire.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, it's reared its ugly head again. Um, in fact, one of the local beaches, local beach that we I um, often take my daughter down to, uh, Cruden Bay, there was a number of birds washed up there. Was it was a week ago, or a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. Um, generally, we don't hear much of it in the summertime, and it's it's much earlier than normal um but it's it's quite unwanted with quite a lot of poultry uh commercial poultry farms in the northeast
1: i think it has been noticeable this year anybody who's been to the coast they've noticed there's not the numbers of birds that have been in previous years after having had a bad year last year with it so it's not great news to hear no. that more of the seabirds are suffering this year
2: yeah and um it's been found on a, a commercial farm um up in the northeast already uh, this summer, I think there's an exclusion zone around it. Um, I think the the best advice for people is to remain on their guard. Um, make sure you know they're they're undertaking you know proper biosecurity, and if you see any dead birds, uh, well, dead birds lying about that. That is, you know that is a cause cause for concern.
1: I think the best thing to do is definitely to remain vigilant and keep looking at the Scottish Government website because they are posting updates and I'll notify you if there's any more cases found or any exclusion zones to um, take note of. I've been out on a few farms over the last few weeks and there seems to be a recurring theme that people are struggling to find um, staff and labour and everyone's trying to do more and more work with less staff. And surely, I would have thought the staff would be out there somewhere, but I wonder how people could get them on farm and why there is such a shortage. What's your
3: thoughts, Robert? Yeah, exact same here. So we've, I think we've got a lot of good businesses down here who've got really good careers to offer people, and they can't find the staff to fill those those vacancies. So now we even have, so particularly the, I suppose the the initial issue was in the in the dairy world where the there was a bigger reliance on staff and uh, it's amazing now that's come right through into a beef and sheep guys poultry guys you know across the whole sector there's everybody's looking for something i mean even we're looking for somebody in the office um we have a you know we're a good industry We're we're here with a lot of good people making a lot of noise about the industry and still we can't we're struggling to recruit and i don't know i don't know what the solution is but certainly the problem is is across the board and we often hear you know certainly in the fruit growing areas that brexit gets a lot of the blame but there's more to it than that as well because historically we were able to recruit everyone we needed locally then we relied on a uh, european migrant workers and and now they don't want to come either so we do have quite a big issue here and, and i personally i think that issue is likely to grow over the next Aye, next 10 years or so we've got an aging population of farmer and we've said that for years but we certainly have now a lot of people at the tail end of their careers at a point where they're probably needing an extra an extra pair of hands to give them a hand Um, and I'm not sure where we're going to get them.
1: It was interesting the other day I was um at a meeting and it turns out that I think this might be Um, going through into other industries having an aging population and it's all the older people who are, are the ones that are running the businesses and with the jobs and they're just struggling to get younger people to come into the jobs and with farming as well when you do get older it is more of a struggle to say do the cattle work yourself because it is a physical and slightly more dangerous job so Think we do need to come up with how we're going to encourage young people to go into the industry.
2: Yeah, um, it's not an, it's not a new pro, uh, problem. This at all um, being involved in different sectors and it, it, attracting new blood into into the agricultural industry. Um, it's, it's a question: of what is the what is the fundamental problems? Um, is it the image? What can we do about the image um when i was at university one of my lecturers uh was late great peter english um he was involved very heavily with the, the pig sector in the northeast in the 70s and 80s um not just in the animal husbandry side but also in terms of the people um and r- was really really interested in, in how to get the best out of them and uh even even it was like changing job titles, so instead of stockman stock animal care technician things like that just the little things to um just change the perception about um is it the money um the the difference between an average you know an average farm worker a good farm worker and a very very good farm worker can make a big big difference to a farming business um certainly in the, in the livestock side um and I, And I think you know the other the, the converse side of that is farming returns the returns maybe aren't there to pay a bigger wage it's it's there's a lot of things at play um in the past uh staff were more tied to farm uh there was a house for the with the job uh there was also a perks with the job that's gone now
3: there's also a thing we have seen a lot of and I think this is an opportunity for everybody where we are seeing accounts now where the business is beginning to struggle. You know, business probably sound, not too much debt. The thing's fine, just the cash flow's not got enough going into it. Uh, or or the f- the family's struggling struggling to live off what the a small business can produce. And there's a lot of people who need to get their head around getting off farm a bit. It's not necessarily getting a full time job. It's not um you know it's not a radical a revolution to their whole business but there are opportunities out there if somebody wants to get a morning away a day away a week the scope, there's scope there's endless jobs out there for people and also it brings some much needed and some some nice income into into a family home eh, from a, a business where it's maybe things are maybe a bit tight as well
1: i feel like that's a great suggestion robert on a farm but that's not helping the farmer be able to have additional help when they're short-staffed?
3: Yeah, it depends what farmer we're talking about because there's a farmer who's got slightly more labour than he needs and then there's the farmer that's got a lot less labour than they need. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's, we're going to have this problem for a period of time and we're going to need to get outside the box.
2: Yeah, uh, some of these jobs are quite uh specialized quite high skilled um one of the favorites for students in the past has been tatty rogan which is a very short-term job over the summer um quite highly paid for a student job but they're just struggling to get people to do the course and that's going to have an impact on um you know tatty rogan in, in in the seed potato sector um it, it's some of these jobs are are quite um highly skilled and and um you know, the right person can make a big difference. But another side of it is um, a decent employee is probably taking more out of the business than what the farmer is.
3: So there's another area, particularly in summer work, where we're really struggling in the southwest is is getting guys who are keen to drive tractors. You know, just someone to cart silage, which has always been a job that we boys and girls at school have been itching to get, you know, or are or itching to get to sixteen to get the license to get going. And now we're we're even struggling to find them. So contracting has been a a means to alleviate some of the the staffing issue on your farm is you just you don't have a worker so we'll just get a contractor to do some of the some of that summer work for us. And I think it's going to be increasingly difficult to get contractors in to do that type of job. So we do this issue is it's a big issue. And often I think in farms, we focus on how it's an issue for everybody and it's a, it's a national issue and this is a national labour crisis or whatever we'll call it. The fact it's a national issue doesn't actually affect me as an individual farmer. You know, I need to deal with my labour issue. So I think what we need to do is focus on whatever we can do for the national thing, great. But individually sourcing, helping, incentivising, promoting the good job that you've got to offer is the most important thing we can do for ourselves so that being selfish in this case is actually okay
2: I think the important thing as well Robert is that um, people have to be think out in front here um, once they're getting to stage they're too old to do things that's too that's too late really um, what they need to be thinking is out in front um, you know, is there a a neighbour or something like that, that that would welcome the chance to work a, a few mornings a week or a few days a week? Um, but you've maybe a different you've maybe uh, breeding livestock, you maybe need to do a bit of training. And and it's these kind of things, getting them involved, getting them up to speed. You don't know what's round the corner for you personally. Um and it's just getting people, you know, into the sector and and, and involved.
1: I think being able to get people into the sector is definitely a great thing to do because there's apprenticeships and there's a farm um in the borders and they took an apprentice um on and the farm did think that they couldn't afford it and they had the apprentice on and he got to the end of the apprenticeship and they found a way to keep him because he was such a valuable member of the team and it worked out really well because one of their um employees has then gone and left so it has gone and filled those boots before they even knew that they needed to be filled. So I think it is a case of being proactive and trying to encourage anyone who's keen in farming um, to take part, to do an apprenticeship and get their way in that way. I think also if you know that you've expanded or there's a change in your um, employees, is to think about what the other options are. Is there a possibility of doing a joint venture? There might be someone out there who would take the opportunity because they've got the enthusiasm to work a few more hours for you as well as doing their own work um. find other opportunities and take advantage of them
2: one thing one thing as well is that um increasingly we're seeing more and more farmer sons and daughters um you know dad's farm and mom's farming they're going to a career away from farming altogether uh, in the past they would have stayed at home and farm um why are they not thinking i should be sticking in agriculture i should be doing you know i should be working in farming instead they go away and, and do something all, you know completely out, out with the sector i
3: have a a client and friend whose son is a motor racing mechanic and he was a formula one mechanic and doing really well for himself off farm and he's now coming home to work so he's traveled the world a uh, and. His dad asked him why. Why do you absolutely welcomed him with open arms, but asked him why do you want to do this? Why would you give away what you've got? And he said he had rubbed sho- shoulders with millionaires and billionaires his whole working life, and no one could offer him the childhood that he had when he was wee. And he wanted to come home and bring up kids at home. So when you hear that, you suddenly realise how good our job actually is. And stories like that's what we should be shouting from the rooftops as an industry that we've got the best job in the world, and come and do it.
1: That definitely is the message that we need to get out, Robert. Thanks both for joining us today.
2: Thanks, Tiffany.
3: Thanks, Tiffany.
0: There are a couple of free events over the next few weeks that provide unique opportunities for upskilling. In the evening on Wednesday, the 16th of August, we have a finished lambs and butchery demonstration event at Orchard Tin Farm in Ochiltree. Host James Nisbet and Wallet Mart's John Smith will demonstrate how to draw finished lambs correctly for selling. John will also speak about selling through the market and direct selling to abattoirs. After this there will be a lamb butchery demonstration by Jim Nisbet. You can find the link in the show notes to book your spot. On Friday the 25th of August, there is an interactive farm workshop near Wigton to upskill young farmers on cow signals. Delivered by Scotland's rural college cow signals trainer, this interactive workshop will give those who are new to the dairy industry the opportunity to learn how to interpret what signals the cows are giving. Are they content and productive or is something not right? This workshop is open to anyone who's recently started working with dairy cows or is considering a career in farming. The minimum age to attend is 16. Book through the link in the show notes. I'm joined today by Anna Alamand, the Knowledge Exchange Manager at the Soil Association. Hey Anna, what's on your desk? I'm trying to
4: think what is in my desk and in my desk at the moment there's an awful lot of papers and an awful lot of stationery because I really like it an absolute pile of books on any topic that you can imagine because I try to get a lot of ideas from different areas so there's some economy, some um, practical agroecology and just fun books and there's an awful lot of coffee around because I'm fueled by coffee My role in the Soil Association is super exciting. It's all about trying to bridge that gap between what's happening in the world of research and what's happening in the world of practice. So it's all about trying to understand how to make research relevant for farmers and how to bring things that farmers need and what farmers want to see into the research world. So it's a little bit of both. Um, I like it because it has an awful lot of communication involved in it. And there's an awful lot of just talking to people and trying to translate, which uh, for me is sort of like natural because I speak Spanish as my first language, English as a second one. So this whole idea of creating a language that is shared um, is really exciting. It also has an awful lot of innovation and change involved. So that really makes it exciting because it means that you're constantly thinking of ways to make um, innovation happen on the ground but also bring the needs of what needs to happen on the ground into uh, sort of like more structured research in a way. So try to bring new ways of finding research and exciting ways of getting researchers to make change in the world, which sometimes is, it, it can be hard. So originally I'm from Chile, so South America. Um, right, the toti we won by Argentina, if that makes anything. Uh, and we're a super agricultural, kind of country so agriculture has been kind of a second nature for me Uh, even if you're not a person that's involved in agriculture Chile is very agriculture oriented so it's something that's all around you all the time very different kind of agriculture though all about um, mostly fruit and veg it's a very Mediterranean kind of country so it was a bit of shock coming to Scotland and having to learn about livestock and berries but I managed so it's been good I've grown around agriculture all my life. I was agricultural adjacent because my dad was an an exporter, basically. Chile has a great, great exporting agriculture industry. So uh, I've always been in that space. I, of course, rebelled against it when I was a teenager, decided to go and study history because I wanted to do something bigger, and then journalism because I wanted to communicate. And I ended up coming back to agriculture because one, I think it's super relevant, two, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and three, it's sort of like just the air that I breathed, so it made sense to actually come back to agriculture as a, as a natural space. So yeah, that's how I got involved, sort of like from birth, stepped away, came back. Um, but it's allowed me to sort of like see different perspectives, because of course, when you're small, you don't necessarily understand the relevance of it. Then I went away, came back because it was such an important topic. And I was like, we need to feed the world. So I had a more conventional perspective. Um, and when I moved to Scotland, I started sort of like uh, understanding a little bit more about agroecology and what it involves and how it works and everything. And that's when I definitely found my niche. This is a place that I really want to be in. So that's been the sort of like journey that I've been in. I've been in Scotland for seven years now. So um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, tr- I'm gradually getting used to the weather. But other than that, it's such an easy country and such a lovely country. And one of the things about agriculture that's really interesting is that despite the differences we all speak a very similar language there's that contact with nature there's that sort of like obsession with work in a way people really feel attached to what they do so it's it's a space that feels very global despite the fact that people tend to think about it as a very localized kind of thing it is quite global i used to work in exports so i knew farmers from all around the world and that experience has been over and over what i've seen Uh, people that whether you're in chile in the United States, here in the UK, Europe, or South Africa, you end up speaking the same language and it becomes like a really easy kind of gang to talk to. So it's lovely. So at the moment with the Soil Association, we're working in a series of um, of projects. Some of them are very local, like uh, the agroecology enabling the transition work that we're doing in Scotland with another group of amazing people. So Nourish, uh, Land Workers Alliance, NFFN, Of course, I'm missing people, PFLA, us, and now the Crofton Federation. Uh, So that has been quite local, and it's all around making sure that we bridge that gap between what agroecology is supposed to be and how do we make it into practice. And the truth is, we're not the best place to give advice, so we bring farmers together to talk to each other, and that seems to work way better than anything else would be. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we're working on some big European projects, Uh, So, one of them is all around what makes an innovation broker in agriculture effective. So it's a project called Attractus, because they love a name, Uh, but it's absolutely fascinating. It's a group of 17 um, different organizations from across Europe, thinking about what makes an innovation broker effective and how can they help effectively farmers do what they need to do and politicians understand what changes need to happen. So that's really interesting. A little bit around uh, soil change and nature-based solutions as well. Other projects are involved on in that. But those are the two main ones at the moment. It's so much fun. Plus, it's great people. And it's sort of like it brings you all that different perspectives from different cultures. But at the same time, again, a little bit like the farmers. You're still speaking that same language that is sort of like brought together by a vision and a way of doing things. Um, but they're quite researchy. So it's been an interesting e- sort of like exercise in trying to bring that bridge part of my work that's sort of like, okay, your research is amazing. Now we need to bring it to uh, practitioners and sort of like bringing that, bridging that gap has been really fun. When it comes to agriculture, I think that what I'm most passionate about is the potential for change that it has, and it has pros and cons. So on the plus side of course it's the potential you see the immense potential that agriculture has to actually start addressing some of the huge problems that we have from inequality uh so agriculture has a space there in terms of providing there is a discussion around land there is a discussion around food what is healthy food how can people access it um but the sort of like counterpart of it is change is needed we have the tools, we have the knowledge, and still the sense of urgency has not actually managed to create the change that we need to see. And it's a bit, it's not a bit frustrating. It's majorly frustrating because we've seen it happen in the past. So this argument that, well, it's sort of like we can make change happen fast. And I'm like, I'm sorry. i that That's when my historic part comes in and I'm like, Great Depression in the US, they had the, marsh- they had the plans in, in place within five years and things happened and things improved. Uh, here in the UK, you had everything that had needed to happen during World War II and change happened and it changed fast and like everybody sort of like gained momentum behind it. There is a real sense of urgency in that we can see it in the weather, we can see it now. And yet we're not managing to make it transpire into action on a large scale that changes the system. Agriculture is gonna be a great piece, an amazing piece. We have the tools, we have the know-how. So we could be a force for good. and it feels like we're stuck because we don't get the momentum behind us system-wide to change it. So that's a source of frustration, but it's also like from a very personal perspective, a super exciting challenge because it means that people that can translate it are getting more needed and therefore sort of like there's a certain need of bringing people together uh, and so it brings a little sense of urgency on a personal level as well that was probably not there 10 years ago so it's it's exciting and terrifying at the same time if I could ask farmers to do one thing is talk to each other just talk to each other you're doing amazing things on the ground you are inspiring you are innovators you are really 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 interesting people and sometimes it feels like that doesn't transpire to other people but sometimes it's because we don't talk to each other and also talk to each other because you're probably doing something in your farm that will inspire someone else and vice versa when you talk to each other that changes the whole equation Uh, and so for me seeing farmers talk to each other is super exciting so if you can share that and do that, I'll be sort of like the happiest person. And if I can be a wall, I, I mean, a fly in the wall, listening to this conversation even better. Uh, so yeah, definitely talk to each other. I think the easiest way to find out a little bit more about the Soil Association is to follow us on um, on any social media channels. For Scotland, it's at Soil Association Scott. And then I think it's just Soil Association for the UK one wide one. And if you're particularly interested in the job that in the work that we're doing, I would definitely say recommend um subscribing to our newsletters. They tend to be quite complete in that we're not trying to only highlight what we are doing. We're trying to highlight what's happening on a national scale on topics that we're interested in. So uh if you if you're part of our newsletter you're not only going to get information about us but actually about what else is happening out there so it's a good way to get a summary of what's out there for farmers and for people interested in agriculture in general.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. Subscribe to this channel to make sure you get notified of new episodes and we'll see you back here on the 16th of August for our next episode.
2: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.